You're listening to How Real Estate Works, your one-stop shop for all things real estate. Whether you're looking to learn about real estate investing, buying your first house, growing as a real estate agent, and all things financial freedom related, we got you covered. With co-hosts Jesse Johnson and Matt Talon. State Works Podcast, episode 24. I'm your host, Matt Talent, and my co-host is Jesse Johnston. So today we're having on Craig Kirilov. He wrote the book, The House Hacking Strategy, and he's an agent and also the host of the Five Team Podcast. So Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Definitely, you know, love jumping on and chatting real estate. So it's going to be a fun hour. And Definitely, man. I'm hyped to have you on. Did we say your last name right? Is is it Kurlop? Uh, no, but no, but I'd say like five percent of people actually say it right. It's well, Kurlop. All right, In the ballpark. So, you're close enough. Yeah, yeah, but it's fine. So I it's cur- wait, well, hold on. Let's get this right. Kurlop. Kurlop. It's like Kurplop without the first P. Okay. Kurlop. All right, Matt. Good. All right, cool. Now, I mean, we're off to a good start here. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Craig, what got you started, um, getting started like in real estate investing? Why real estate? Uh, really, it all started because I was working a job that I absolutely hated and I really wanted that financial independence. And so I looked, you know, high and low for a way out and found at the time I was in Silicon Valley. So I was thinking like a startup would be the best idea for me to get out of the rat race, right? build a business, five to 10 years, cash out, big time, set for life. However, it's much harder to come up with a great idea and execute on that idea than one may think, especially when you're in Silicon Valley. So I kind of tossed that aside and looked into real estate. Someone talked to me about real estate. I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. I don't need to be the next you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. I can just be Craig Curlop, real estate investor, right? Yeah. And that was kind of mind-blowing to me I'm like oh well i can just like you know pick up a few properties that rental income can satisfy my expenses now i'm financially independent and i can do whatever i want to do whenever i want to do it so i was pretty much dead set on real estate investing it took about six or seven months to just educate was on bigger pockets like night and day probably three four five hours a day if you want to count the book books i was reading the webinars and the podcast i was just consuming I moved to Denver after that six or seven month period and got a job in your pockets and started work and started house hacking immediately and really just never looked back from there. Nice. And how did you settle on like house hacking as your investment vehicle? Um, and what was that like first deal like? Yeah. So house hacking to me just seemed like the obvious move as a first time investor, right? It's kind of like the training wheels of real estate investing. You can get in with a low percent down. So I only brought $17,000 to the table. And that was three and a half percent down. You are basically turning your home into an investment. So you're learning all the things that you would learn, but you also can keep an eye on the property because you're there the whole time. So it's easier to show the house. It's easier to fix things. It's easier to see when things are wrong. And it's easier to just, you know, tenants won't tell you when things are wrong many times if they're just small things, but it, as a landlord, I want to fix that right away. So it's just it's just a little easier and a little bit more, um, I guess, comforting to house hack. That first property was a duplex. It's a two one bed, one bath units, 
uh, top bottom, totally redone. I bought that in an up and coming part of Denver in 2017 for 385,000. Monthly payment on that was about $2,200 a month. I was getting 1750 for the top and I was living in the bottom. Now I was determined to live for free and I was not doing that with the current strategy. So what I did was I Airbnb'd my bedroom and lived in my living room, put a curtain and a room divider up and slept on a futon for a year while having a revolving door of Airbnb guests come in. And now I was making $2,800 a month or $2,750 on my $2,200 mortgage. So I was living for free. I was making a couple hundred bucks a month and saving more than ever. And that's really what jump-started my real estate investing career. That's really interesting um, because you know one of the common objections is I don't want to share my living space. Um, I would say my objection is I don't want to sleep on a futon. So, um, so how, like talk, so that's, that was your first one. Are they all like that? Do you end up, you know, do you, are you still sleeping in a futon? No, no, so absolutely not. Right. That was, that was the first year I was so like, I had such bad taste in my mouth from the last job that I was literally willing to do anything I could to get out of working as quick as possible. And, you know, in my book that, I, that, that we may mention, you know, uh, we have this comfort continuum, right? Where the less comfort you have, the more profit you have and the more comfort, the less profit. And so you got to figure out where you are along that spectrum. And I was just trying to get as close as I could on the profit side of that spectrum as possible. And I just knew that and Dave Ramsey quote was in my head where live like no one else now. So you can live like they dream later. And yeah. so I was like, okay, like what is something that no one else would do? Like I'm, I'm 24, I'm single, I'm a dude, I can do whatever, I can do anything. And so that's, you know, that's what I decided on. And that found that allowed me to purchase the second house hack less than a year later. And this time I did 2018, you, you purchased your second house hack. What, uh, what did you buy the second time? Yep. So this time I bought a five bedroom, two bathroom house in the suburbs of Denver. It's about uh, seven to 10 miles North of Denver. And this one, I lived in one bedroom, rented out the other rooms. You know, I bought this one for cheaper. It was 343,000 bigger place, but not as good of a location. My interest rate was actually about the same, about $2,200 a month. Reason being is that interest rates were actually fairly high in 2018. And by high, I mean, I think I had like 5% or something like that. Um, and so, and I was renting out each room, you know, on average for 700 bucks a month, right? So $2,800 a month on the other four rooms. I had my own bedroom and I was making $2,200 and I was paying $2,200 a month. So again, living for free. While my first property, I rented out full time and was making about $3,000 a month on my $2,200 mortgage payment. Awesome. So, awesome. so let me, there's a couple of things that you said here. So it seems that you, when you, when you uh, bought your first house hack, that you ended up Airbnb, Airbnb being the bedroom. Um, but then when you bought the second house hack, they, they, you went with the longer term rentals on those, right? Versus the Airbnb strategy. So it gets kind of confusing. So I actually kept it as an Airbnb for as long as I could. Yeah. That was technically illegal in Denver, Got but it. the consequence was a slap on the wrist. So I was willing to take a slap on the wrist. So I basically waited until I got caught, which was about a year to 18 months. So I did keep it for an Airbnb for a while, but once I got caught, I then transferred it to a full-time rental. Got it. So do you have, uh, do you still use the Airbnb um, strategy? For At this moment, I do not have any Airbnbs. However, I will be having one here, hopefully in the next couple of months once the rehab is done. Got it. So, uh, so Matt did a lot of research on you and, and it says here that, uh, 
that you used uh, house hacking to wipe out some debt. Is that so? Tell tell us about that. Yeah, so I graduated from Northeastern University in Boston, a yeah. private school that's wicked expensive. Yeah, uh, and, say, that's not cheap. Yeah, nope. And I graduated with ninety thousand dollars of student loan debt. Nice. Uh, and that's just an undergrad degree. Yeah. And so that was the big, you know, the big uh, hurdle that I had to get over as kind of like, and I, and I kind of looked at it as this is part of my story, right? Like, right. it's not easy to tackle $90,000 of debt in just a few months. Right. And, you know, I ended up paying all of that off by 2019. So really, that was like total of four years, but I was making monthly payments for the first three years. Yeah, It took me 15 months, I went from $86,000 of debt to no debt, no student loan debt. So um, how did, so how did you, how were you able to do that? Was it through straight, just paying them down? Did you, did you refinance properties and use that to pay off debt? Like, how did you, how were you able to do that? Cause I mean, in order to pay $86,000 in debt, you would have had to earn a hundred extra hundred and some thousand dollars in income. So, I mean, how, how were you able to do that? For sure. Yeah. So the first thing is house hack, right? So the first thing and probably the, the biggest thing was just the fact that I had zero living expense as actually making, you know, probably like 500 bucks a month, right? Like the net difference there yeah. was probably around two grand a month sure. uh, in terms of like rent I, rent I wasn't spending, spending plus rent I was getting. Yeah. And so that's about 24 grand right there times two properties, 48 grand. Yeah. So that's about half of it right there. Sure. Uh, and expenses are not taxed. Right. And so that's $48,000 of true income. I think you said over a hundred grand because of you, you were incorporating taxes. Yeah. And so that, that's about a bulk of it. The second thing was I actually had some side hustles as well. So I was doing this thing called Airbnb arbitrage where, you know, maybe your listeners have heard of it, but yeah. if you haven't, it's you rent a place out traditionally, maybe for 1500 bucks a month, but it's in a great location. So you Airbnb it. I paid the owner rent but I keep the profit of what was an Airbnb. And so that probably made me 15 or $20,000 over the, over a couple of years. And that on top of, I was also renting out my car on Turo. So just a bunch of side hustles yeah. that got there. Uh, and the third thing was I asked my boss, Hey, are there any projects I can do outside of my job description that would improve the company's top and or bottom line? And I could, you know, get paid a commission based on, the value that I provide. And he thought about it and I was like, yeah, there is. And so he actually gave me two projects, both of which netted me about 20 to $25,000 each. Right. So uh, between those, those three things were the biggest three things in being able to pay off those loans in such a short amount of time. That's nuts. I mean, honestly, like, uh, so you basically hustled for a couple of years and, and, you, and so you end up debt free besides real estate debt. Um, and uh, I mean, shoot, you found a lot of ways to make money. Um, how many of those, how many of those things have you continued post paying off the debt? Like, are you still renting your car out? No. So I, I'm not renting my car out anymore. I, I did for a few months after though, after I paid them off. Um, now I'm really just doing the real estate investing. Uh, and, be, and, you know, the reason being is that now I'm, you know, I'm a real estate agent. Like yeah. that, that business has really taken off for me. And I'm just putting all of my, rather than have my energy in a bunch of different baskets, my energy is in building this real estate agent team, helping our clients find great investments, as well as my investment portfolio. That's great. Right. Uh, I, uh, 
I love it. So I, I've used Turo, so I, I get it. Um, it's, it's actually a really cool service because I was able to get the exact car that my daughters wanted when we went on vacation. So uh, awesome. they just wanted a Jeep because we were going, we were in, we were, uh, in Santa Monica and they just wanted a Jeep uh, to the beach in. So I was like, cool. What color? Blue. Got it. So, you oh, know, yeah, perfect. So no, but I, I love the story. Um, I love the story. I love, I love, I'd love to hear more about your, uh, transfer into real estate, but, uh, Matt, what do you, what do you have? Yeah. So I love that you were able to get creative and use real estate investing to pay off your student debt. Cause I talked to a lot of people about real estate investing and they're like, well, I want to get started, but I have student debt. And it's like, if you could move into a property and house hack it and your student loan payments, 500 bucks, that first property, the cash flow could just pay your, your student loan every month. And then if you move into a second, now you're living rent free, your student loan is paid. So there's a lot of ways to get creative with it. Um, I love that you did that, but I want to know more about the Airbnb. So like when you're looking for Airbnb properties, like how are you projecting those numbers? So bigger pockets actually has a calculator that will help you project those numbers. You also can just go ahead and look at, just look at an Airbnb in your area. Like if you've got a two bedroom, one bath in you know five points in Denver, then you go look at other two bed, one bath and five points in Denver and see what they're getting for night. You can see, you know, go to book them and you'll see that there are certain nights crossed off. Those nights that are crossed off are booked. So you know what their vacancy is and you just kind of run the numbers that way. Um, I will say that almost every time and every person that I talk to on Airbnb underestimates what they get from Airbnb. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was talking to someone who's doing like the Airbnb arbitrage today and they said they're getting like triple the rent that they're they're paying the landlord. I was like, it's insane. So yeah, I, I, need, I need to know more about this al al albatross. I mean, I've I've listened, I've heard about it, but um, Matt knows I'm I'm a little scared, so I need to hear it from somebody <laughs> who's actually done it and had success. So anyway, keep going. <laughs> yeah, and since I know you started like investing in 2017, so. Um, you've probably built up some equity in the properties that you have. So have you been able to leverage that equity to born, to buy more properties? So I actually haven't, I could, I just haven't. So mm -hmm. I, that property, I got it re, I got it appraised in 2019 for 550. So wow. 385 to 550 in basically just two years. Nice. Crazy. And I had a HELOC at some time, but I actually didn't really end up using it. And then COVID happened, the HELOC closed. And so now I refinanced that property with today's really low interest rates because it had such a high appreciation it took off all the PMI. And now that monthly payment that was at 22, 2300 after a tax adjustment is now at 1850. So, you know, I'd kind of nice. just added $500 of cash flow just to refinance. And I personally like, I like cash flow, but so the only way that I would take money out on a property is through a HELOC, not through a refinance, just because I want the, I'd like to have the option of using it, but I don't want to like just have this extra cash that I'm paying for and I'm losing cash flow for it. So definitely. And that's awesome. Like that you are able to refi and get $500 more a month because it's basically like having another rental, but you're not managing another property. So it's even exactly. better than buying another property. Yeah, no extra roofs, no no more furnaces. It's just yep. yeah, all the all this top all the straight to the bottom line. That's awesome. So uh, so 
um, I'd love to talk more about your real estate sales business. Um, so how, when did you get real, when did you get your real estate license? So I got my license in 2017. Okay. That was, the, and I just used it for basically two years, just for my own deals. Like I didn't advertise that I was an agent. It was just me trying to save a little bit and yeah. maybe learn a little bit more about real estate. 2019 rolls around, uh, end of 2019, like Q4 2019. And my buddy comes up and he's like, Hey, like, do you want to help me buy a house? You said you had your license, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. I guess I'll help you. Why not? And so I, I thought I was doing it more as a favor, but then you get the check and you're like, Oh, this is actually kind of cool. Like yeah. I can, mm-hmm. like people actually want someone who invests, who specializes in house hacking or investing to help kind of guide them through the whole process. Right. Yeah. Like, especially if you're a first time investor, it's scary throwing down your entire life savings on a house that you may or may not fall apart in three months. Right. Yeah. And so it, it just, you know, so I kind of just thought of myself, not really as an agent, like that's not the most important role. That's how we monetize it. But the most important role is that we're just a guide and mentor for these first time, second time, third time investors to help them find great investments. You know, we help them run the numbers. We let them know if it's a good or a bad deal, talk about the neighborhood, open up our, our content, our Rolodex of, of vendors and all that, and just really hold their hands from start to finish. So it's as easy as possible for them. So um, would you, are excuse me, are you saying that your niche in the real estate world is working with investors or do you work with regular resale buyers and sellers too? I've only worked with investors to date. So. All right, cool. Nice. So is that, so, and how big of a, like how many sales, like how many investors do you have in your Rolodex and like how many sales a year can you get from that? I mean, cause I, I, mean, uh, I coach, I have 25 agents on my team, right? And so some of them have investors that could do six, 10, 12 deals a year. Like, you know, what are you seeing coming from your, from your database of investors? Yeah. So most of our investors are house hackers. So they're doing one a year. Okay. Uh, I've probably had a handful of clients do two. Uh, no one has done three, but you know, last year, you know, we're, I'm actually approaching right now my first full year of being a full-time agent. January yeah. 31st was my, anniversary bravo and you know we did upwards of 100 deals last year that's so that's definitely yeah so it was you know crazy crazy good year and people are really looking to just find some property in the denver area that can cash flow and also appreciate so what's uh so matt i'm gonna nerd out for a minute here so just hang tight Mm -hmm. what's uh craig so how are you leveraging like what are the leverage points in your real estate business that allow you to handle that many units i mean are, do you have i mean do you have a staff of like admin or do you have sales like you have people running you know the sales side of it what, what's your leverage points so man that first year like 90 percent of it was just me yeah uh and i was just running around ragged right i don't have family i don't have kids and covid was happening so i wasn't traveling so like it was just a year to buckle down and, and i was busy yeah uh, you know now we've got you know we've got a transaction coordinator uh we now have a team of seven seven about to be nine agents on our team that we're, we're building quite fast um and i guess that's I don't know, i've got like you know i've got my assistant that yeah. just is amazing and she helps out big time sure. and we've just got kind of our you know our community at exp also just helps in terms of like doing showings and all that kind of stuff yeah. if you need it so that's fantastic i uh i love it if you ever ever want to just chat about like team growth and stuff like that like we 
we, uh, we have some fantastic, we've grown our team. We have two virtual admins in the Philippines that are tremendous um, and things like that, that are really, really helpful. Um, so I'd love to like another conversation. We could talk about team structure and things like that. It's, it's kind of my thing. Matt does more. Matt does more house hacking than I do. So yeah, okay, yeah, that would be I'm one on the agent side. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations on a great first full year. I mean, uh, you're probably one of one that could say they sold a hundred homes in their first full year in real estate. So <laughs> I'm sure there's people out there that absolutely crush it. So. All right, maybe two. One of two yeah. hundred homes. <laughs> so yeah, but that's insane. Okay. I think most most like agents in their first year probably do like three to six deals at most. Um, what were like your lead gen sources that helped you like grow that business? So the biggest thing that I didn't realize I was doing was that two years prior, basically when I first started working at bigger pockets in 2017, I started writing for the blog. Right. And I, I kind of just used writing as a creative outlet of things that pissed me off and I would just like write about them. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I had written about 60 blog posts for bigger pockets. So my name was at least has been seen right in the newsletter and all of that. And then because I had done that, they were looking for someone to write a book on house hacking and I was kind of the obvious choice. So they asked me to write the book and I was like, heck yeah, I'll write the book. And once I wrote the book and that became published, it really just gave me a lot of credibility for being someone that is trustworthy, that knows what he's talking about. And also I do it myself. So people wanted to work with me. And that was probably like, you know, that allowed me to grow my Instagram, that allowed me to do all this. So now I've got all of these different sources of leads coming in and just kind of being uh, a little bit of an influencer is definitely helpful. And it takes a couple of years to build that up, but it's just, an, it's just a gift that, that keeps on giving. So that would be what I'd recommend any agents listening to this do is to start building up your social media and start building it up and, and you got to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah, Matt, that's huge. Matt, you're doing a wonderful job with that too, I think, uh, with yeah, growing your social media and adding value and stuff like that. Um, you just yeah. need to write a book now. That's all. I need a what? You need to write a book. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll write the preface for you, for sure. Yeah, my, my grammar skills are great. I need a ghostwriter. <laughs> you don't need, dude, you don't need to be a, 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 no, you have editors for that. Like all you gotta yeah. do is put what's in your head content-wise on paper and, and let the editors take over and do the rest. That's awesome. So, and when you were going from like W2 to agent full-time, like how did you find like the transition went and kind of how you valued your time? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so that transition was, so I guess I should talk about why I knew I was ready. So I wanted to, so it was October. I thought I was financially independent, like of August of last year, mm -hmm. August 20, 2019, August 2019. I thought I was financially independent. But I wasn't sure, right? It's always hard because it's like, yeah, some months I am, some months I'm not. Like, how do I know? And so what I did was I maxed out my 401k at Bigger Pockets while I was working. And so I took a paycheck of zero dollars for like three months. And I was like, okay, if I end up with more, a higher checking account balance at the end of these three months, I'm financially independent. And I can quit my job pretty comfortably. And if not, then I don't. And so at the end of three months, I looked and Lo and behold, my checking account balance was pretty, was, was actually a good amount higher. And I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm good to go. And so pretty much a month later, I quit, transitioned into full time. And yeah, there was a little bit of a transitional period where it's like, now what do I do with my time, right? Like, but time blocking is really crucial 
when it when you are in, in staying disciplined to that is really crucial when you kind of when no one's controlling your time mm-hmm. yeah definitely and since you're like you don't have that w-2 income anymore did you find it harder to get loans for real estate since you're self-employed yeah i mean last year was a, quite a hard year uh i mean i could barely qualify and I did just barely qualify because I made some money in 2019 and I did my own deal in 2018. So I had about maybe 50, 40 or $50,000 that they were like considering I made, even though I had made, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to date, they wouldn't count my income, you know, first half of, of, of 2020. Yeah. So it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a challenge. Um, so now, like you said, you're building out a team. So, where are you kind of looking to take like your real estate team to? So the, the, the big goal, right? The BHAG, uh, if you know, the big hairy audacious goal. Yeah, we is, use traction. I use traction. Okay. Good. Yep. Um, it's basically to be the go-to investor friendly realtor in the United States. Nice. Right? Like you want to invest and that's, you know, you're coming to the five team. Um, where we are right now is, you know, we've got seven, eight, agents here in in Denver uh you know we want to expand that my goal is to have 50 by the end of the year and then we'll start thinking about expanding to different markets nice so um so it it seems that so you got the real estate thing going now um how many properties do you currently own uh I have 11 properties and I think that's like 15 units Okay, and are you still house hacking your way through to to these new properties? So I have not house hacked all of them, but I do still house hack. Yes, you, uh, I just think you yep. currently house hack. Cool. Mm-hmm. So but for someone is, someone oh. like me, so now I, I'm in a position where I'm like, man, I would love to house hack. Um, I mean, clearly, you know, there's different ways to house hack. Um, one of the uh, you know, one of my biggest limiting beliefs when it comes to house hacking is, well, I have kids. How in the world could I house hack with kids? Right. So can, can you, do you have any ideas for me how I can house hack when I have kids? Yeah, for sure. So plenty, I know plenty of people that house hack with kids, you know, and, and it's kind of, it's called what we call like a luxury house hack. And okay. so you have your own, where do you live? I live in right outside of Philadelphia. Okay. Philadelphia. I don't know enough about Philadelphia, but, uh, you know, you live in the house of your dreams, right? Maybe it's the house you're sitting in right now and you yeah. buy a place with an additional dwelling unit or you buy a place with something where you can add a one bedroom studio place and you just Airbnb that out or rent right. that out. And that will pay for probably a good part of your mortgage. Yeah. Another reason, if you don't want to like spend the money, you know, you have to go find a place that's maybe bigger than what your family needs. Yeah. Maybe you've gotten a whole floor, like a basement that you can yeah. make a walkout and you just put that on Airbnb. Um, but there's definitely a way to do it if you want to do it. Yeah, no, that's, 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 I mean, it's opening my mind a, a little bit to it, right? Because, you know, there's, you know, I'm not, I'm less worried about the risks of, of the house hack and more trying to get past the limiting belief of it's, it, it's that whether it's even possible, right? I think that's really, you know, that's really a thing. Or, I mean, where I live, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, multifamily properties, right? So, you know, again, doing uh, what you said, maybe living the way others wouldn't in order to, to live, you know, how you want to later on, uh, the Dave Ramsey uh, quote. Uh, yeah. 
you know, could mean living on the second floor walk up that's, you know, four bedrooms and having a nice two bedroom on the first floor. Um, exactly right. So, no, I love it. Um, so tell me about uh, your, what's your big 20, what's your BHAG for 2021? Yeah, so really it's to get, you know, 50 agents on the five team. Uh, one of my BHAG, and one of my BHAGs this year, last year I was kind of running myself ragged and didn't pay attention to my like personal well-being as much as I usually like to. Yeah. So, you know, my girlfriend and I are doing this 75 hard challenge. Yeah, I saw that. I heard of that. Yeah. yeah. So we're, our plan, we want to do it three times this year, which would be about 225 days. And we want, but we want to do it for 300 days. Okay. That makes any sense. Okay. So, you know, three challenges where we're doing it 75 days in a row, and then we're going to do it kind of sporadically for the other 75 days throughout the year. And you're going to take, have, you're going to take a little break, uh, let your body recover and do it again. So, so what's, uh, uh, what, so what is your, so that's a, that's a, that's a huge goal. Um, mm-hmm. so what, why though, why, why is that so important to you? If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So it's, that's the most important thing. And it's so easy to let that go when, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in your twenties or early thirties and you're healthy and you can eat whatever you want and you can do whatever you want and, and not really feel the effects, but there still are long-term effects in your body. And the whole purpose of this is, hey, yeah, I, yeah, sure, I want to build wealth, but I want to build wealth and I want to achieve that financial freedom so I can go out and hike and scuba dive and surf and do all the stuff that I like to do, right? And, and I can't do that if I don't have my health. So yeah, you just I'm can't forget you. what's the most important. Yeah, Matt, I didn't, I also, in my 20s, didn't, I didn't buy the real estate I should have bought and I also ate food <laughs> I shouldn't have eaten either too. But you're doing it now. So. You're doing it now. Um, I will tell you this. No, I, it's, it's part of, it's funny, Craig, like I, I'm listening to you talk and I, you know, you know, I think your goal is is huge for this year. And I think what's crazy when you said like last year was nuts for you, you gave up your health. I remember 2009 when was my first full year in real estate. And I think I probably gained like 15, 20 pounds that year and was losing my goddamn mind, right? Like, like, and I was, my business was growing and then I, you know, quickly learned how to leverage out um, like you're doing. So um, I'm, yeah, you should, you're definitely, you're doing the right stuff, bro. I, I really love it. So, uh, but yes, I, I spent too many years trying to make money, trying to, you know, take over the world and not taking care of myself. Um, that's why I say like, it's about living life. Like you, whatever you do should add to your life. It should be an addition not a subtraction. It, you can have times where you're count off, off balance, where you're like, yes, I'm setting up my life with this real estate business, but yes, then, you know, I may have to over, I may have to compensate more on the health side, you know, in six months or something like that. So. Right. I, yeah. I mean, you just have to have your priorities straight. And, and this year is really about for me, just being in balance with, with my business, with my finances, with my health, with my relationships and, and all that. And, you know, there's that, like that, like wheel of life thing that has the seven, yep. the seven things. And, mm-hmm. and I just think, you know, having that wheel, be able to roll down a hill real easily is much better than having it, you know, not be able to roll at all. Not be able to roll. Time, right. I was just yeah. going to say that. <laughs> I feel like mine would roll and then stop, right? Like it yeah. just, it, there's like a flat spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, and so you're killing it with the, the real estate, the rental properties, the team. So I know you're like a big reader. So what are three like of your top books that you recommend to people? Uh, so are these 
who is your typical audience? Is it like guys just starting out or is it more? Advanced? Yeah, I would say, I would say generally people starting out or um, kind of like on the, a little bit on their way. I, I, okay. I want to re, I want to re-ask the question, Craig, and I'm not stepping on your toes here, Matt. Mm-hmm. What three books would you recommend Matt and I read? Okay. Well, it depends. Like, I feel like there's these classics that I feel like I shouldn't recommend because everyone probably recommends them. Mm-hmm. But uh, The Miracle Morning is a book that actually changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. And we've the both read thing, it. Yeah. The One Thing yep. is another book that is just helps you stay clear. And The 4-Hour Workweek is the book that got my wheels turning. Yeah. So those are yeah. three like super cliche books. Yeah. Which is why I was like, I do, I'm going to say those. But no, yeah. I love, I'm glad that you said those because uh, I've read all of them. That makes me feel good about myself. Craig, thank you. Um, but uh, the one thing is basically our, our team goal for this year. Like, what's the one thing that you're going to bring to your business that'll, so there's a, there's a, there's a qualifying state, statement in the one thing. It's like, what's the one thing such that by doing it makes everything easier or unnecessary? You could just ask yourself that over and over. Like, it's amazing the things that you do in your life that you don't actually have to do, right? Uh, it's, so true. Yeah. So, um, thank you for those book recommendations. And yeah, the four hour work week was, I mean, I read that. It's a classic. Yeah. That's a yeah, classic yeah. now. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, it really is. I actually yeah. might be living the four hour work week. Don't tell anybody at the Havre's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm taking 25% of your time then. Yes, thank you. I'm pretty. That's pretty, I, I'm I, I spent 25 percent of my bad gig on uh, on on things that make me famous, Craig. So, so. there you go. <laughs> so, Craig, now we ask every guest one question. So, what was your biggest limiting belief when you were getting started out? Oh, my biggest limiting belief was that's a really good question. Probably just that, like I didn't deserve it or I couldn't do it. it just like in general like I couldn't build wealth like I in my entire family history no one was wealthy everyone was middle class middle class middle class like my entire family is prides themselves on being hard middle class workers yeah I personally am like I don't want to do that right like, yeah <laughs> I just want to be wealthy and not have to work a lot and so exactly. you know kind of getting into that was kind of just a limiting belief because it was one of those things where you know, you take advice from your parents and your grandparents your entire life. And now all of a sudden I'm going this totally different path and not taking their advice. In fact, I'm pretty much doing exactly what they're telling me not to do. And so that was kind of like a, I don't know if it's a limiting belief, but it just certainly like was a constraint for a while. And so I realized I have to look up to people that are in a position that I want to be in, not just the people that I love. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. I, it's interesting. I, I share the same sentiment. Um, if I listened to my parents, I would have never got my real estate license. And I would be, I think, testing pool water for a living, something like that. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Um, yeah. I'm sure it would have been great. Um, so this is my favorite part of the show. This is where you get to turn the mic on us and basically ask us one question and you get the, uh, you know, you get the opinion of the old head and the young buck. So um, we'd love to hear your question. All right. So it's one question that you both answer. Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. What's it going to take for you guys to join me at EXP? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go, Matt. I'm sorry. That was so. Uh, <laughs> you want to ask it again, and I won't laugh that hard. I think yeah. it's funny that you laughed. 
As long as, I don't know, it's your show. I can ask it again. Yeah, you can ask. No, no, go. It's go ahead, Matt. I I love it. Um, hmm. I need I need a million dollars, and I'm coming over. Fair enough. So uh, my answer to that is, um, it's an interesting. It's a very interesting question. There's a lot of people I love at EXP. So Dave Kennard, who's like the national president, uh, he lives about um, two miles from here um, and some other people that I know. So I think, I think very highly of the company, um, but I uh, used to bleed red and I really feel good about bleeding black right now. So, uh, um, but yeah, I, I, I like the leadership at, at, at that company. And uh, I think you guys are the reason why my stock is about to go, uh, go IPO soon. So thank you. That's awesome. Are you with uh, Compass? We're with Compass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's so? Okay, I'm gonna ask you a second question. Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay. Just... What What makes you pick Compass over you know, over NXP or or any other brokerage? Like, why them? So uh, Matt didn't have a choice, um, <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you why. So let me let me give you the my experience. So um, let me make sure how I want to say it, tell this story. Um, I'll, I'll basically tell you, I had, so in, within the same month, I was in the room with, with Gary Keller and Robert Refkin and Gary Keller said, Ref said multiple times, Refkin doesn't have it. Refkin doesn't have it. And I said, okay, but you know, okay. So I'm going to go meet with Refkin anyway. Right. Refkin didn't mention Gary Keller. That was enough for me to say, okay, this, 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 it tells me where, like, it tells me where the, the industry is going. So then the second part of the answer of why we chose Compass, uh, one, one big reason was for their programs. Like at the Howe Group, we focus on maximizing the value of real estate for our customers. And so concierge, we're in the top 10 in the country for use of concierge. Um, so that program has come through big for us. Um, and the, the second part is I really truly believe that they're building technology just like EXP is to help develop the agents. And what's gonna happen is those agents that adapt to this growing infrastructure of technology will be the ones who, who own the market, right? And there will be, there will, there will not be a middle class in the real estate, in the real estate industry. There will only be those who work for the top and those who own, who are the top. I mean, it's as simple as that. There's a reason why you're attracting so much talent to your, to your group. Um, Craig, because, you know, you've proven that you have a model that works. There's a reason why we have, you know, you know the talent that we have, because we have proven a model, right? So, so anyway, long story short, like, that's, that's my answer. That's great. Yeah, you know, I think it, oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I would just agree. I think the, the tools that I know every brokerage comes out and says, we have a secret technology that benefits the client, but they really have made like, they started as a technology company instead of a real estate company that really benefits the clients. And I think the services like they're providing the client, like collections, um, concierge, and a bunch of other tools are actually like easing stuff up for the client. So they're able to move easier and the whole process is just streamlined for them. So I think it just provides a better, better service to our clients, which is why I like it. And the people who join Compass are all like the top 20% of the agents. So I've like been around them. I've learned a ton from, those people, just like what I've hear, heard in the office and at our networking events and every, everything like that. So no, that's great. Yeah. You know, I do think that, you know, I've heard great things about Compass as well. And I just feel as though comp both Compass and EXP are kind of 
in the forefront of kind of taking over Keller Williams, it seems. Um, you know, are you all football fans? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go Birds. I, go, yeah, you're Eagles. Yeah, you guys are yeah. Eagles guys, I'm sure. Uh, so I grew up, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Mass, right? So I'm a Pats fan. And uh, I feel as though, I know you, you guys beat us, so uh, you should. But, like, I feel like Keller Williams is kind of like the Patriots. We're like, yeah, they're, you know, they're good. They're good. They're probably always going to be at least respectable yeah. and pretty good every year. But then you've got like the EXP encompasses that are like the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Like yeah. the the flashy new guy that could make it, could go a while, but you know, probably still too young to tell. No, it's really interesting. You mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs. They are young, right? Like I know Andy Reid is not a young guy, but <laughs> their GM um, was a guy that um, I played football against in high school who went to college oh, wow. with one of my best friends at the University of Delaware. So the guy's like, he gets his first GM job at like 39. And, and you see the team that they put together out there. It's pretty, he's pretty, uh, they're, they're fun to watch. Yeah. So as much as I'll be rooting against them this, this weekend, but yeah, so here's the, here's the interesting thing though. Right. So since we're talking football, right. It's, it's about the agent. So, so in, 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 in football, it's, it's yes, the system works at the end of the day, it, the key players also make a difference in the locker room on the field. So like, how the hell does your boy go to, to, to Tampa and make, make the Super Bowl. Like, how does that happen? Right. Like, to, like, He's to me, like that, that's, that's yeah, the idea crazy. of, you know, making sure that you take great care of the agent. Cause I really feel like the future of real estate is still going to be agent focused. It's going to be technology enhancing agents that are the best in the industry. And you're going to see that pool of several million just shrink to like, just the, the best, the biggest, the ballers, in the in the industry that could really handle a lot of business for sure i mean it seems right now that i think everyone anyone with a pulse can get a real estate license like it's just there's so many bad agents out there but Mm -hmm. but how many can actually make money right like that's the question you want to ask yourself you know when it's easy yeah maybe they can pop a few deals but guess what we're we're in a extreme seller's market right now in most of the country which is usually when agents make a ton of money and it's very hard to make money right now if you're not at the top of your game. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not the one attracting off-market deals, you're not the one out, you know, prospecting and getting, you know, setting multiple appointments. Like, yeah, I mean, you really have to be the best in the industry. Otherwise, I mean, I got to tell you, it's a lot easier to have a corporate job, you know, than oh, yeah. to sell a house today. So, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, if that's why, you know, what's that statistic? Thirteen percent of agents fail in their first year. Yeah. No. 87% of agents fail in their first year yeah. and they quit yeah. 13% make it to their second year. So um, I was reading that David Green book. I saw that in there. Yep. Yep. Congratulations, Matt. You made it. Yep. Look, mom, you made, made it. it. Yeah. What, <laughs> I, what I found, I've worked in a few, like had a few different businesses and I always find the same things apply. Like if you answer your phone right away, you'll be successful. If you're hardworking, you'll be successful. And if you have the best interest of, like, of your clients at hand, you'll be successful. So those are like, the big three things I think that it takes to be successful in any business. Boom. For Knowledge sure. at the end of the great. show. We should, uh, <laughs> yeah. you should drop the wisdom. As the wisdom. You got to shave your head, man. Yeah. yeah. You're too smart for all that hair. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's awesome. But cool. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of fun on the show today. I've learned a ton. Um, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, they can find me. So if you want to find me and the team, it's thefiteam.com. 
if you want to follow my personal story uh, and my like personal investments and all that good stuff, I'm at the Fi guy on Instagram. And those are the best two places to find us. So what does Fi stand for? Financial independence. Got it. Can you define that for us too? Before you, before we let you go, what's financial independence? Financial independence is when your passive income exceeds your personal expenses and you can do whatever you want, whenever you want with whoever you want without having to work a job. Love it. Yeah. Thank you for defining that. Cause you no know, problem. you know, in this world, there's different definitions of things. So that's, that's my definition. I'm yeah. sure other people have other, you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Cool. Well, thank That's you for awesome. coming on, man. This has been great. Yeah, it's been yeah, super fun. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to take you up on that on that conversation about team building too. So yeah. we'll have to just, chat. Just hit me up. I'd love to talk about it. It's, uh, it's uh, something I've spent a lot of time doing. Perfect. Yeah, I think it'll be good. And let me know if I can help you guys out as well. Absolutely, uh, man. I, I'm going to figure out a house hack for myself. Uh, yeah, we can. Yeah. We can, we can coach each other. Yeah, there you go. C- cancel out the coaching fees. You cancel, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. There you we'll go. Just, we'll just part of that. All right, man. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Really cool. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can join us weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps us out. You can find out more about me at callphillyhome.com, callphillyhome at Instagram, or email me at matt.talent at compass.com. And you can find out more about my co-host, Jesse Johnson, at howrealestate.com, Jesse Johnson on Instagram, and email him at jesse.johnson at compass.com.